Welcome to Blue Talks. I'm here to talk about parenting and advocacy for children because my own childhood was, um, we'll say rocky. Rocky is good. It, it was challenging and I didn't really have an advocate for me. So I feel very strongly about this and I have raised two children myself and as board certified behavior analyst, I've worked with many families with kids with behavioral issues Sometimes that they are neurologically caused. Frequently they're more on a parenting side, honestly. And this is not a judgment thing. This is just how it is. So I have a few tips today that if anybody's interested in them, if you deal with kids, then, you know, just bear these in mind. First of all, first tip, biggest tip I would say, is don't take other people's say-so for how your child is, what they can do, what they can't do, don't listen to that, look at your child. An example I'd like to use is my oldest son. He was learning, uh, I think he was eighth grade, and he was learning French at school. And his teacher came to me one day and she said, he can't do French, he's terrible. Like he's, he, he can't learn French. He doesn't have that skill set. just take him out of languages. And I thought, whoa, kind of harsh, okay. I, and I thought about it and I decided, you know, no. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to do anything with that information. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I, it felt off. We moved and <laughs> so my kids grew up moving uh, and we moved to a place, Singapore, where my child went to school and he was learning Mandarin. The Mandarin is not an easy language. And this kid nailed it. Like, holy smokes, you should see him go. He was on the quiz team within three months. He was dreaming in Mandarin. He was so excited about that. And I thought, this is interesting. <laughs> okay. So I watched him, watched his progress, and I stayed out of his way. And holy smokes, this kid learned seven languages fluently. He is now a PhD linguist, and he's doing his postdoctoral fellowship in mapping endangered languages. So that teacher could not teach French, in fact. And if I had taken her word for it, if I had said to him, hey, you know what, kiddo? Don't do languages, don't worry about it. They're not good for you. Let's, let's go in this trajectory. He wouldn't even be doing the work he's doing now. And he's breaking ground now. You have to cite his research for some of the stuff he's doing. I could have completely screwed that kid up and moved him in a different direction that wasn't suited for him by listening to somebody else's should somebody else's story about what he could and couldn't do. So the biggest take home I'd like to give you is please listen to your child, look at your child and trust them to find their way. When you get in their way and you tell them what they have to do and what they can't do, you are limiting them and that's been done to you. So my recommendation there is not to pass that on. Another tip, because you know it's balanced if I use both my kids, <laughs> is Picking your battles in a way that really, first of all, decide, is it your battle or does somebody else want you to have that battle? Example, my youngest son had sensory issues when he was a little guy. 
and he was nonverbal till he was about three. So he would go to a Montessori school in the morning just for a couple of hours. I needed the break, he needed to change the scenery. This worked. He also wore Spider-Man every day, all day, and he slept in Spider-Man. He was 24 hours a day, Spider-Man for 18 months, right? 18 months. We had one set to wash, one set to wear, one set to repair. And I would peel them off as fast as I could and put them back on again. Bath time was a challenge. Anyway, he would go to school in his Spider-Man outfit. And one day his teacher decided this was not okay. And she said to me, he needs to come to school in normal clothes. No more Spider-Man. I thought, well, <laughs> okay, uh, I hear you. I took him home and I thought about it and I looked at my little guy and I figured, you know, I could fight with him over getting him into normal clothes or I could just say, nope, not my battle. Next day I took him into school and I handed a bag of clothes and my child in Spider-Man to the teacher and said, there you go, have at it. <laughs> and I left when I got back later. There was my kid, big smile on his face in Spider-Man and one very frazzled teacher with a crumpled bag who handed it to me and never again mentioned his outfit. So she discovered the reason why he was always wearing Spider-Man. That wasn't my battle. I could have taken it as my battle. I could have believed it, but I didn't. I handed it straight back to where it belonged, the person who created it. I gave it to her. So that's examples from my two kids and then one that I think everybody in the room will recognize is the tantrum in the store. Different ages, but you know, usually they're younger. And the thing I'd like to talk about with that is boundary setting and reinforcement of behavior. So we're getting straight into behavior science here. But when your child is tantruming, demanding candy or whatever is it, they want a new fire truck, whatever, they're pushing a boundary. And if you say yes at some point, whatever they were doing just before you said yes, you just reinforce that. They're gonna do it again. So if your kid's on the floor screaming, kicking, and you're getting all the judgmental looks from people, and they're you know, muttering at you and so on, and you decide, I can't do this anymore. Fine, here, have it. That kid just learned from you that, oh, okay. So when I want something, I need to throw myself on the floor. Cool. So they'll go straight to that point next time. And if you don't give in because I'm going to nail it this time, I'm going to be stronger. You let it go longer before you give in because this kid's got all day. You are never going to win an argument against a child. They have all day for this. They'll push it further and further until you give in. Your barrier, your boundary just moved. Now you've really set yourself up and you did it because you reinforced that behavior. So this is something that every parent falls into and every parent I work with, we have this conversation at some point and I have it in multiple places. So my suggestion is that you're clear on what you will and will not accept. And once you've decided it, tell the child in a very clear way what you will and will not accept. And then the tough part is stick to it. Because every time you don't, you set yourself up for a bigger and bigger challenge. And that's just no fun for anyone. 
The final thing I'd like to leave you with on the subject of parenting is people say parenting is hard. Well, it, it sure can be challenging. I moved my kids from country to country and, and we did all kinds of things. So yes, it can be challenging, but just think, if you go into that relationship, parenting is hard, and that's your attitude, you're setting up battle lines. How about changing that narrative to parenting is a new experience. Let me see what I can do. I'm writing a book on parenting right now. And I interviewed different people across the spectrum for you know, their, their input on what they want for their kids. And what everybody said, I just want my child to be happy. Okay, cool. And you know, I want them to be successful. There's different definitions of that, but the, I want them to be happy is yes, good. I agree with that, of course. But if you're going in, parenting is hard and you have that battle energy, your child, you want them to be happy. How do you bring those together? So I would change the narrative about parenting being hard. Parenting is a gift. Not everybody gets to do it. Parenting is a challenge. Are you up for it? You better be, because that's the deal. Thank you very much for coming today. Thank you for your attention. My name's Mickey Gaffin-Stone, and if you want to find me, I'm at gaffinstone.com. Thank you. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.